Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God and Independent RPG Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Welcome from Snowpocalypse Land. Like, you, you know what's weird when you're asleep and you wake up because there's a blackout? Because everything's quiet. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not right. That's what happened to me last night when, like, just we got thunder snow and all this crazy-ass weather last night and knocked the power out. And I'm like, wait a minute, where's the, the constant hum of city life? Oh, Either I'm dead or the power is out. And turned out the power was out. I was not dead. Am I dead or is the power out? I'm going to go with dead. Pretty much. No, it's the power who's wrong. <laughs> it's been <laughs> rain apocalypse here in San Francisco. It just won't stop raining. It's very cold, too. I'm perpetually cold. But also joining me, also dealing with terrible weather, as far as I know, is Eric Van Allen. Oh, we're, we're through it now. Welcome to sunny and 68 Austin, baby. It's great. I'm, oh I'm wow life yeah we're no, gonna we get finally, a heat wave soon yeah no we got through the powerball weather and now we're just in good weather <laughs> <laughs> this week we'll be talking about final fantasy 16 eric went to new york and he actually played it and we're gonna have some special guests who are gonna be talking about it just a little bit later naoki yoshida he's been kind of going off in his various interviews we'll be discussing that as well so look forward to that a little bit later. In the meantime, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Kappa. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And Eric is at CMoosey. And we're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pod, where we have a ton of bonus content. We just recently did John Wick 3. You can go listen to Charlie and Dropouts. And hey, we just posted the Pantheon of the Blood God exploring Lunar the Silver Star story. And even if you're not interested in Lunar, I highly recommend that you listen to this episode because it gets bonkers because we invited Anthony John Ignello on the show and he has opinions. Mm-hmm. He always does. Yeah, does yeah. He, he, yes, he made he more both great guests. Mm-hmm. Yes, Anthony John Ignello tells us, among other things, the time that he feuded with uh, Victor Ireland. <laughs> And we, <laughs> I didn't know that part. I forgot about and, that part. Uh-huh, and we uh-huh. introduced Shadow Madness to the to the pandemonium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Available on Steam. Available on Steam. Steam Deck compatible. <laughs> yeah, Shadow Madness is on Steam, but not freaking Lunar. How about that? Uh, we also have an announcement in case you missed it. Uh, Axe of the Blood God is going to be at PAX East later this month. We are going to be there on Saturday, March twenty fifth. And we are going to be doing a panel at 4.30 p.m., the Fantasy RPG Draft, in which we draft various uh, heroes, villains, soundtracks, and other RPG elements to create the ultimate RPG. Who will create the best RPG? Well, that's for you to decide. We'll also be recording the episode. We'll also be doing an in-person 
episode together. So that's going to be a blast. Cannot wait to hang with my buds, Nadia and Eric. And hey, we want to hang out with you too. We're going to be doing a little bit, a little meetup. Please keep an eye on the Discord and the Patreon and the website for more information on that. Last announcement. This is a big one. We are almost to episode 400 of Acts of the Blood God. Yes, it's true. And we love to blow out these big milestone episodes. And the topic is going to be, it's been 400 episodes, so what's an RPG? That's right. We're taking down, we're resetting the clock, the last days. We're going all the way back to the beginning. The very first episode of Acts of the Blood God asked, what is an RPG? Well, it's been 400 episodes plus a lot of specials. Let's let's discuss. We're going to have a a panel of guests. We're going to be on we're going to be on Twitch. We're going to be live streaming for everybody. Not just the Stars of Destiny, but for everybody. So it'll be a blast. We're going to do that next Saturday. Please look forward to it. It's going to be a good time. Okay. Now it's time to talk about what we've been playing, our sacrifices to the Blood God, and I'm seeing a lot of Octopath Traveler to Nadia. (laughs) Yeah, uh, definitely. I am about getting close to 20 hours in the game, and I have recorded four characters, and I am on the fifth recruitment, which is the um, shoot the apothecary. Apothecary. Oh, Uh, yeah. She seems very sweet, and probably this is probably going to be a very sad slash anger-inducing story, but... uh, so far, having a really great time with it. I just did the second part of um, the thief's story. What was her name again? Um, Throne. Throne. I just did the second part of her story. I was like, man, those boss battles don't f around, do they? Those uh, it's a pretty difficult RPG at times, but yeah, having a great time with it. Uh, fully recommend. Writing is so much better. Oh my god! Like I didn't have a huge problem with the writing in the first game, but this is actually like one of those RPG stories that are worth listening to. So yeah. I'm having a good time with it. And of course it looks gorgeous. And I'm playing it on the Switch. A lot of people saying, oh, on the you know, other consoles, it looks amazing. But I would like to play Octopath Traveler 2. I've not gotten a code. Um, I'm still kind of all in on Fire Emblem Engage, which I realize is a little boring for me to say. Um, but No, I still I, I'm still playing Engage. I love Engage too. When I have time to play, I pick it up and play like one map at a time. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I'm also doing all of the paralogs. So I just did the Ike one. The Ike one's very hard. And I've got a really good team at this point, And I'm kind of abusing all of the abilities and having a lot of success at the moment. There's a big part of me that really wants to restart and do another run of Fire Emblem Engage now that I know all of the systems. We were actually talking a little bit about that thread in the thread uh, over on the uh, Axe of the Blood God Discord, which you can join for just $1 over on Patreon. Com slash pod. Which map was the Ike one? I can't remember. Oh, uh, he, he, it's kind of a you're in the middle and tons <laughs> of enemies one. are attacking. Mm, I love that, that was one. a difficult one. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. It's quite challenging. I um, I, I don't know what the, the idol. I put Corin on her and I put the smoke bomb. And so I was basically dodge tanking. I have the sword master as well mm, mm. and i had chloe flying around on on the back of her griffin like killing things and i have ivy and ivy uh i put byleth on ivy um and she can dance people i have the dancer as well to keep oh, to be able great. to get people going i was very proud of not losing anybody 
during that fight because it got very tricky at times. And then Ike like totally busts through the wall and is coming after you. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> Ike is just being Ike. <laughs> Here I go. I love Ike. He's so good. I fight for my friends. (laughs) It was was challenging also because I've been using Jade a lot um, as my tank. And I love Jade. Holy shit, I love that character. I love her. Um, I can finally promote her to Great Knight now um, after I beat this next level. Um, But yeah, like I was kind of relying on her with Ike. So not having Ike during a whole battle where like... Mm-hmm. everybody's coming at you not easy for sure but i i love um what's her name i love jade because she has this like stone facade but apparently she's a brilliant comedy writer <laughs> that's like her story thread with that's her uh, thing? older guy yeah that's her thing she's a, apparently really funny this is the moment in every episode in which i say that actually i think fire emblem engage is probably my favorite fire emblem of all time now I think um, I, li- I oh, think wow. I, I liked it better than Three Houses, to be honest. I mean, I I'm adoring it. It's my best Fire Emblem experience since Blazing Sword, I think. You really, you really like the gameplay, though. Like it's the I gameplay it. is a big draw for you. I like yeah. the characters too. I like yeah, the I characters. Mean, they're anime and, archetypes, and but they're yeah, fine. But they're fun. I I wish I liked the characters in that game a little bit more. I feel like Three Houses set an unrealistic expectation for any other like Once Fire Emblem game to match up to. Once you start doing the a lot of the uh, interactions between each other, which is easy to do because you can go to the arena and they can fight and like build up report that way. Mm. Once you start getting more into the stories, it actually like I started, really started warming up to them because I went from like oh who's this jabroni with Zelkov to marrying him. So yeah, like you just have to really kind of put that little effort into doing the stories because the basic story is fine it's like okay cool it has a couple of twists i like but uh it's, it, the characters are a lot of fun for sure fire emblem engage makes me doubt that three houses should be in the pantheon there i said it i wouldn't say that i still Mm-mm. they're just Mm-mm. different experiences for me but they're a different flavor but i think engage does what it does better than three houses does that what it does um three houses is a meme game it's a meme game Anyway. Cat, cat, I will see you in the Thunderdome is, is how this will go down. All right. What are we going to do? The uh, are, are we doing the Pantheon revisit this month or next month? It's in April. April. Yeah. Wow. It's a, can't do it soon enough. We need to figure out how that's actually going to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that it's going. It really is going to be Thunderdome beyond Thunderdome. The Pantheon of Blood God revisit. It's just going to mm. be a massacre. It's not going to be a Thunderdome. Absolutely. Uh, Eric, you're also playing Octopath Traveler too. Uh, yeah, I'm about like 50 hours into this game. Um, starting to look at like what the end game looks like. I'm on chapter threes, going into chapter fours for most characters. Oh my lord, I love this game. I sincerely love this game. Like I did not expect this from Octopath Two of all games because we talked about this last week. But like Octopath One. I think the concept was really cool. I think, you know, it's got HD 2D art. It's you can widely point to it as the reason why everyone is so hyped about HD 2D all the time is because look at Octopath. Octopath looks so good. It sounds so good. It's got that sweeping. It's a great theme, but I felt the writing definitely. I think that's the most obvious thing to point to that's improved in Octopath. But there's two other things I want to point out. Um, one is that the combat is so much better. Uh, I feel like in Octopath one, the combat got very rote after a while because you would just kind of like, okay, I'm going to break the enemy and then I'm going to dump damage on them. I'm going to break them and then boost and that's it. And 
it kind of felt routine after a bit even some of the bosses like i felt like the bosses in that game until you got later on didn't even really require a lot of thinking octopath 2 said what if we keep the exact same structure and find ways to make that interaction more interesting make the break and boost more compelling to do and more rewarding to pull off well and give you systems in which if you are clever you can break them you can just bust them wide open like I, I have Temenos, who is my cleric. Mm-hmm. I love Temenos. Temenos, Temenos is great. Is great. Uh, Temenos' latent power, his limit break, essentially, is that whatever attacks he does when you turn it on, for whatever attacks he does that turn, they will break shield points for each hit, no matter what type they are. So if you happen to put the Scholar subclass on him and and get enough JP to get him the elemental barrage ability, which does three to five hits of magic. Oh, damage I didn't think on about target. that. Yeah. Oh, so shit. you're starting to put that together. Now you're like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And if you boost it, it can get up to like six to eight. Like <laughs> I think six to eight is where it caps out, but you can get like, you can bring like eight shield points in one turn on a boss. That's Just really important. And it's so good. And there are so many other ones of like, finding ways at first i wasn't sure how to use casty the the apothecary because i was like oh you know she's a healer but she uses items it's kind of tricky yeah uh number one it encourages you to use your path auction uh path actions to get more items more often which i like right. a lot but also her mix allows her to suddenly probe for weaknesses all around the enemies and do different mixes to be like okay so i know that they're question marks over here and they're in kind of like the far right. So they might be like a magic type. So maybe I can mix something with Casty and throw out like a fire and a lightning and see if one of them hits, if one of them tags it. And then once they tag it now, Oswald's sitting back there and he's like, all right, it's fireball time, baby. Let's go. <laughs> and, uh, I just can I say something about the HD 2D. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. It makes me nauseated. Really? And interesting. Oh. It's a little weird. It kind of gives me headaches. What are you playing it on? Are you playing on Switch? Or are you playing on on Switch? Lo- with the like the OLED that- screen. Now, I this is with the caveat. I've not played Octopath Traveler two. Okay, but with Triangle Strategy in the original Octopath Traveler oh, and okay. Live Alive, all of them kind of gave me this weird headache. I was <clears> like, <throat> is it because of like the astigmatism? You know what it reminds me of? 3ds when i was trying to play 3ds yes mm. and because i have I an astigmatism uh 3d actually kind of hurts for me mm. a lot interesting um, and so the hd 2d i think is just kind of hitting at a certain part of my brain yeah. having said that i was watching a lot of b-roll because we were talking about on nbc and reb valentine was talking about how much she's been enjoying octopath traveler too and her points were that one, she said the soundtrack is perfect. Mm, like, it is. Just, it is. It's, so it's good. pretty incredible. No bad soundtrack in Octopath Traveler 2. Um, but also I was watching a lot of B-roll and I was like, wow, this is really pretty. Like, I'm really digging this, actually. And normally I'm not that much into HD 2D because it's a little dark. It's a little gimmicky. Mm. The sprites tend to look bad against those backdrops. They can kind of flicker at times in ways yeah. that are weird. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, and I, I agree, Abby, it's kind of the worst club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I, I want to play 
Octopath Traveler 2, uh, for sure. Another thing that gave me pause was that it's like 80 hours, and uh, Seth Macy was saying game. that the bot, the final boss alone takes like 90 minutes just to complete, oh my God. which is like, oh my God. So, so Flashback to the Mana Beast. What I will say to that is that because of the way the Octopath is structured, is that that final boss is like the final, final boss. So it's after you've beaten everybody's routes, after you've kind of cleared the game so it's sort of like i would consider it more of a true ending type boss than a normal boss and i think it makes sense within that but i'll also say that like yeah it's a difficult boss but i feel like octopath feels rewarding to overcome those difficult bosses i have i've been working on a boss right now in octopath 2 where i've been charting out weaknesses i've only fought him like two times but he like he messed me up when I fought him. And so I took out a pen and paper and I started writing down, okay, like here are the weaknesses I've hit and found. And so now like, okay, the, the big guy and the ads he summons are both weak to light. You know, they have a bunch of other weird weaknesses that they don't share, but they are both weak to light. So I know I can bring Temenos to hit that. And maybe if I take Ochet and I go through this area, which has a lot of like light enemies, holy enemies, then maybe I can capture a beast that can do all damage to light. Cause I actually have a beast that does all damage to wind, a beast that does all damage to ice. And it's, it's that game. Like right. they, they found a way to take a battle system that I honestly thought was pretty, you know, standard, pretty like I, I used to joke that Octopath was the best first time RPG. Cause it was like, Oh yay. I, I got the break and now I get to do the damage. Like you learn how to play an RPG with Octopath one Octopath two is Okay, time to teach you the good stuff. Time to teach you the fun stuff. Here's how you break an RPG. And I love that. It's so good. <laughs> That's a great uh, feeling. Yeah, it's the Final Fantasy VIII feeling for sure. There's one other aspect I wanted to shout out. And mm-hmm. uh, Jason brought this up last week too, but I just want to emphasize it because I had that moment this week. The way this game hides mysteries is mm-hmm. incredible. I like that it a is jaw droppingly incredible. I discovered one this week. Those of you at home who have played far enough, I won't say more, but it involves a stuffed toy and a child. <laughs> and oh, that I haven't done that yet, but I have seen the stuffed toy on this child that obviously has a problem. And I Nadia, said that is going to be <laughs> the way you solve it is incredible. It's so good. And here's the thing. It's not an outright quest. No plot point pops up. You know, they do do that sometimes in this game where you talk to somebody, they've got the orange icon and they're like, oh, I've got a side quest for you. Here starts the tale of the dude who couldn't find his wagon. He's like, wish I could find my wagon. And you're like, your wagon's over there, my dude. And you walk over to the wagon. Yeah. And then Agnia, the dancer is like, won't you follow me? And the wagon's like, sure. (laughs) You walk the wagon (laughs) back and he's like, you found my wagon. And you're like, great. The number of NPCs in in an RPG where they're like, hello, help me find my wagon or my Mm -hmm. lost child or I'm literally dying. And I'm like, that's great. I'm uh, going over here now. Bye. This one is like, what if the wagon was possessed by the Antichrist? Oh. And then you had to follow <laughs> a wagon. certain set of conditions to like, I, I don't even want to say more because it's very good. But I I will admit, I will admit, Jason, if you're listening, I'm sorry. When you said Elden Ring of, of JRPGs or whatever that was, I, I scoffed. I was like, oh, 
Come on. That's, that's, I a, see bit, what he means. that's a bit like reducing it down, boiling it down. I still think that boils it down a little bit, but I now fully understand what you're getting at. No, no. I think my the way I put it was it reminds me of a D&D campaign, the way that you stumble across a character that becomes very interesting and the DM notices your interest in it and says, what if we had some stuff here? What If you want to keep digging, if you want to keep pulling on this thread, we're not only going to have some interesting stuff for you you're going to get some really wild stuff in the margins of this game. Like there's just stuff they, they kind of just hint at just gesture at. And it's for people who just want to mainline through and play all the routes and, and, and call it a day. You can absolutely do that. And this will be like a comfort food JRPG for you. And if you want to dig, I think there's some stuff to dig for in this game. And it's really exciting to play. And it makes me want to do that because it gives me those systems. I'm not getting tired of the battle. I love the music. I love the look. This this world, I remarked the other day when I was playing, I just like being in this world. It's such a vibrant, alive, dangerous world where I'm always stumbling across new monsters and new things to do and, and new places to venture into. And I cannot believe this is the sequel to Octopath Traveler 1. <laughs> Basically, it is night and day. It is indeed, in fact, a sequel to Octopath Traveler 1, an RPG that I bounced off heavily. But people I respect are recommending it heavily. And so I'll give it another shot. I'm probably not going to finish it because 82 hours is too much, man. I just can't deal anymore. Oh, it's 80 I don't know. really I good hours. I think that if you got wrapped up in Bravely Default the way you did, you'd probably get wrapped up in Octopath the same way quite easily. Oh, if you like I, Bravely Default, you're going to like this game. I think it's like up. 50 hours in Bravely Default too, but it actually wasn't that bad. I like a snappy pace. This one seems like an epic novel, which is not a bad thing, necessarily. I just like how the uh, innate abilities are kind of woven into the characters for a couple of yeah. reasons. Number one, it's like, hi, I'm Temos. Tem- is it Temenos? Temenos, mm-hmm. yeah. Hi, I'm Temenos. I'm a happy cleric. Oh, look at me bumbling around for the children's amusement. Ha ha. <laughs> also, I'm an inquisitor and I will break your bones to get answers out of you. It's like, okay, my dude. Temenos is one of the best characters because he's like an agnostic priest who does not, who believes in his faith but does not believe in the church. And it's such a compelling way to write that character, to have him as the inquisitor that is like, I think. I think the church is up to some shit. I think we got to look what? into this. Yeah. Are you saying that there's a church in an RPG that might be up to some things? That might be evil? What? And they pair him with a naive himbo of a paladin who's just like, Temenos, why are you doing such things? Why are you looking in there? And he's like, oh, so, what, Crick, I think it is. Oh, silly Crick. Just, just oh, let God, me look. God, his name is Crick. My, I forgot. My that. job is to doubt. There, there have been some really fantastic memes and some even better fan art of those two let me tell you (laughs) supposedly octopath traveler 2 is not doing as well as the original game but we'll see if it gets kind of more positive word of mouth so far it's been really strong i think uh, that uh, there'll be a long tail to the game and of course the original octopath did have the benefit of being kind of an early switch game the first that really looked like that and it was a hd2d on the switch early in that gen it was an exclusive, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, classic RPG. Everybody was going, "Whoa, I wish Final Fantasy VI looked like this." And then, a lot. I think a lot of people bought it and bounced it off to it, like me. I truly do think it is a case of HD two D was this revelation at the time, combined with the Switch yeah. aspects that you're talking about, and yeah. 
now HD2D is more common. We've become more used to it. And I think that's a huge bummer because it should not like I, I am telling you that even without the HD2D, this game is incredible. It's really, really good. I think word of mouth is getting around though, which is good. Like mm. we are we're feasting on JRPGs already, like Chain, Chain of Echoes, Echoes Chain and, Echoes, and yeah. Octopath, like we're getting good Iron classic Engage. stuff. Yeah. Like if you want to count that one in there. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're hanging in Sea of Stars later this year. After that demo, I, I definitely want to play more good. Sea of Stars. I feel I feel like I need to play that game from the beginning because getting mm-hmm. a slice in the I, middle of I it. I do felt wish weird they'd done me. like an actual like Square Enix demo where they let you transfer yeah. over saves and stuff. And I think Fire Emblem did that do the same thing. Uh, engage. I, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if Fire Emblem did that. Maybe but. not, but there was there's been most games lately have been like, hey, start the game, and mm-hmm. if you like it, that's a really good system. It's a really good idea. Yeah, Square especially has been very good about that. My priorities right now are Fire Emblem Engage. I'd like to finish Chained Echoes actually. Yeah, and I same. I have been playing Crisis Core, and that one Hell feels yeah. like somewhat manageable. I would like to get that done before Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two or whatever. Gone Gaga. Mm-hmm. And I'm like nervously eyeing just the absolute deluge of games in May and June. I'm like, I am going to have to choose my game. I'm going to be Zelda's traveling. Zelda's coming. Well, I really want to clear some games off my backlog. I think my dream of beating Persona Five Royal this year is going to be not happening. Unfortunately, there are too many good games. They've but waited we'll this see. long, it can wait a little bit longer. So in that respect, like I'm kind of looking at the broad swath of games. And I'm like, do I really want to commit to 80 freaking hours with Octopath Traveler 2? I don't know. I kind of want to clear on my backlog a little bit. That's fair. More, but I understand that sentiment. I'll at least give it a shot, you know, so that I can say one way or another how I feel about it. But um, in any event, I, like I already mentioned, I've been playing Fire Emblem Engage, and that's pretty much all I've been playing aside from Crisis Core. But I did watch the first episode of Poker Face. It's recently, so good. Which is basically a JRPG in video game form. I don't know. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> if you're not familiar with it, it's by Ryan Johnson, who does Knives Out, Glass Onion, and Last Jedi, one of the best Star Wars movies. Uh, sorry, not sorry. And it stars uh, Natasha Leone as a, a lady with a, not supernatural exactly, but she has the power to just tell when somebody is lying. And she'll just look at them in the eye and say, bullshit. And uh, it, she's on the run and she's solving mysteries and being Natasha Leone. And with all of that, imp- with all of that entails, the first episode is excellent. That's the one that I watched. It's like a little movie. Lasts mm-hmm. about an hour. You can find it on Peacock, which is literally the first time I've ever watched a thing on Peacock that is not soccer. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I know. Poker Face was the, the new thing that I picked up. Um, I also think I got... Oh, right. I'm going to play in the Diablo 4 beta whenever it happens. I'm getting that on my PS5. But yeah, I haven't really had enough time to play video games lately because I've been in the office and working and doing a lot of other things. Uh, it's been kind of annoying, actually. But I did get <laughs> I did get Lunar the Silver Star Story onto my uh, Steam Deck, and that's how I ended up playing it uh, ahead of the Pantheon. And that was actually a really great experience. But anyway... That's uh that's the Cap Bailey update. Here's what else is releasing this week. On March 3rd, we have Wolong the Fallen Dynasty. It's the new uh Soulsborne style game from Team Ninja, the creators of the Neo games. Uh customarily mm. hard as usual. It sounds like the difficulty is quite front-loaded in this one. 
it's off to a strong start on Steam by all accounts. Uh, Eric, were you planning to play Wolong? It's it wasn't on my radar, and then the more I've heard people talk about it, the more I am thinking I might dip into this because I look. I grew up on Dynasty Warriors. I love me a Three Kingdoms story. I really do. I I love to not pursue Lu Bu. Uh, I love to fight at the Battle of Chibi. I, I love to just engage with all that god i love i love that stuff so much but uh yeah i was initially not going to take a look at it because i was i'm not a huge neo fan but Mm -mm. a lot of people are saying it's it's really keep an eye on it better than well but is it better than neo a game that i did not like (laughs) yeah yeah that that's what i'll be jumping in to see that and and phantom brigade are on my short list to try out in the next week or so i would like team ninja to make a freaking another ninja gaiden game just make an action game my dudes don't make another freaking soulsborne game so their games just feel just feel weird i don't know Mm. um in any event i don't think i'm gonna be playing wo long uh how about you nadia probably not no i was (laughs) never a fan never a fan of there, Nio? Nio had one scene Nio? like Neo. 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 Okay. Neo. Chowder. Say chowder. Is that the Canadian way of saying Neo? Hell if I know. We don't go around saying Neo or Nio all the time in daily conversation. It's not like, hey, you want to go to Tim's and pick up some Nio or Neo? Like, what do you think this is? But it, there, the first game did have a scene I loved where the guy pulls the, cl- the cat out of his, uh, like, just out of his vest to tell the time which that's how I learned that apparently there's a Japanese myth about like telling the time via your cat's eyes. And it's just so deadpan that it's just still one of the funniest bits in the game I've ever seen. But yeah, I did Nio, Nio, that. potato, potato. Shadeo. Oh. Shadeo. <laughs> also releasing on March 9th is The Last Spell, a tactical RPG with roguelite elements. It's already available. It's exiting early access. Uh, it's gotten very positive reviews on Steam. Everything's a freaking roguelite these days, but I I like the look of it. Swarms of enemies coming in and attacking and a nice pixel art style. Um, Go check it out. The last spell. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, and now it's time for a series of random encounters. The first Elden Ring expansion has been announced. It's called Shadow of Erdtree, speculated to release this fall, probably after Armored Core 6. It was actually a surprisingly long time for Elden Ring DLC, but it gives me a lot of hope that this is going to be a big one. We've only seen a few teaser 
images, but fans are already in full swing speculating as to what it could be. And I have to say, what a weird way to announce uh, the Elden Ring DLC. It was just like a random tweet, right? It was. Like Sony's probably like, that could have been in our showcase. What the hell? I mean, it was just an image, which makes me think that fall is probably not what they're looking at. Like, I winter possible. Give them, give them time. Let them cook. Like, come on, this is this is Elden Ring. And the the big mm. speculation I have gone deep. You know, I've watched a lot of shouts to Vadi Vidya, shoutouts to Quilog, uh, two of my favorite from Soft Lore. YouTubers. Oh yeah, they're great. Um, they they went pretty deep in the the big running theory is that this might center on Mikola, which would make a lot of sense. That's what I'm Mikola hearing. was yeah. one of the lingering threads from Elden Ring that I think we could use some information on. There's some very interesting theories about how we could be uh, visiting uh, Mikola and Mikola's story. So Mikula. I, I hope we, Mikula, hope we find Mikula, out more Mikula. about that. I, I think FromSoft is, is just looking good. You know, they got Armored Core on the horizon. They got Shadows of the Earth Tree. They got just so much coming together that I'm good very stuff. excited for. But where's yeah. Bloodborne 2? Electric Blo- Boogaloo. We don't. He, he, okay, I'm going to get this is going to go bad for me, but I don't particularly want a Bloodborne 2. Bloodborne 2, the search for more money. Yeah, I want something. I think it's cool when something can stand alone and we don't need to sequelify it because I think sequelifying is actually what made me like Dark Souls less and less. So like, Mm. I I like it when FromSoft just imagines new things and creates new things. Question, could FromSoftware do sci-fi but it's the same dark, dark gothic look that defined Elden Ring and Bloodborne and Dark Souls and all that. To I think they out, can. The Warhammer Surge. 40k has proven that they can. You can go play The Surge if you want that. They got that already. They got two of them. Yeah, is is Warhammer... Okay, I don't know a thing about Warhammer, but from my angle, it seems like it's like kind of religious and sci-fi at the same time. Like It's a really strange vibe I get from it. Oh, Warhammer... I, I really don't want to get into all the weird ways that Warhammer 40k gets into some very color tugging imagery and stuff. It's <laughs> look, yeah, it's it's a lot. I don't have enough. I'm not qualified to unpack this. It's just, I've only seen it from a distance, and I'm like, mm, okay, nope, staying out of this. So yeah, I won't disagree, yeah. Eric. Bloodborne was perfect, and I don't necessarily see. It was just one very bad night and a descent into madness. And mm, after that, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, like John Wick. sure, there's plenty more to delve into. But they also delved into that in the DLC, which I have not played yet. And I would like to get around to actually playing at some point. But no, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, elsewhere, Diablo co-creator Eric Schaefer is joining Moonbeast to try and redefine the action RPG. The first trailer for the next Pokemon anime post Ash Ketchum is here. It has Captain Pikachu, who I guess is it does a have Captain or Pikachu. Captain he Pikachu. looks great. Yeah, he does. Capcom is hosting a digital event featuring Exo Primal and more. God of War Ragnarok sweeps the BAFTA nominations. Yushinaka reportedly confesses to insider trading. For spoken developer, Luminous Productions is being folded into Square Enix. The Last of Us, uh, sorry, The Last of Dragoon, <laughs> The Legend of Dragoon. Cat, what? <laughs> that just went places. The Last of Dragoon. Um, the Legend of Dragoon turned out to be a very buggy port, but there has been a patch to fix it. 
wait, I'm sorry. So it was they took the original game and made it worse. That's pretty good. <laughs> it was already pretty bad. For the stars, <laughs> I'm showing you the cat actually wrote the last, last of Dragoon, Dragoon in the show notes. <laughs> and finally, Mario Plus Rabbids now has a two hour demo on Nintendo Switch. So go play it. But our main topic is the Final Fantasy 16 previews. And we have a few special guests. So we'll be right back. Okay, we're back, and we have two special guests for this segment. First, it's our old pal, Michael Hyam. Hi. And also, returning superstar, Ash Parrish. Hello. And we invited them here because Eric, Ash, and Michael all had the opportunity to play Final Fantasy 16 during the hands-on event a couple weeks ago. All of their previews are up right now. You can go check them out. But I want to hear all of your impressions and ash you, you haven't been on here in a minute so i'm curious what what were your impressions of final fantasy 16 um so i'm a big final fantasy fan um as i'm sure everybody here is so i was i i knew going into it that i was gonna like it pretty much no matter what and i did um it's it's very i'm trying to think of well i know that developers told us that they wanted it to feel like current games and one of the games that they likened it to was like god of war ragnarok and i could feel that um with the way like you switch out like summons that give you special powers that do special things and it's very fast and fluid and i liked it a lot better than like the fast fluid like real-time combat of like uh final fantasy uh 7 remake or final fantasy 15 even because it seemed like those systems were like way too involved and i wasn't doing what I thought the developers wanted me to do correctly, but with Final Fantasy mm-hmm. 16, it felt like, okay, I'm kind of, I'm dialed in. I, I'm doing it right. Like it's combat is like, okay, I can, I can do this. And I appreciated that. Like we didn't get to see too much of it. Like it was mostly combat oriented and that's great, but I don't go to Final Fantasy because I want to beat shit up. I, I go to Final Fantasy because <laughs> I want to, you know, <laughs> hang out with my friends and, you know, yeah. be a teenager and save the world and shit like that. And we didn't really get any of like the story bits. It was just gameplay. Mm. So I kind of like the things that matter to me as a Final Fantasy fan, I didn't really get to see. I get the impression that there's not a lot of hanging out with your pals in this one it seems like a pretty straightforward maybe fairly intense kind of action rpg i suppose you could say yeah uh, there are friends that like hang out with you like the the little bit of the demo like you hang out with that games yeah you got the dog dog. and you hang out with that games like sid for a little bit but it didn't seem like you know not like final fantasy 15 where you're like in a car just like talking and shit as you drive from like one location to the other which was like one of the best parts Mm -hmm. of final fantasy 15 like you're in the car you're driving you're listening to old final fantasy soundtracks you see something interesting and you all jump out of the car and go fight you know that kind of shit didn't have anything like that so i still like like i said as a final as a final fantasy fan i'm still waiting to see more from 16 to see if it's something that i'll gel with yeah, they were really putting a lot of emphasis on the actual combat. Um, I think they said that this was a special two-hour demo that was made specifically for the press. It takes place yeah. like five hours in. And yeah. they were showing off like three different bosses in this particular demo. So yeah. it was very much on the action gameplay. That's where they want to put the emphasis. Yeah, I did ask a little bit about uh, how the game is structured. 
because I am curious about that too. The same same as Ash. Like I come to Final Fantasy to hang out with hot dudes and um, oh. and cute girls. <laughs> so, but I don't know if this world's got that for me. Um, but there are going to be like so you have a hub uh, called they call it the Hideaway, which is like Sid's Sid's uh, Sid's grounds, or whatever. And then you kind of interact with characters there. You go on side quests that are supposed to tell you more about the story. And I asked like because I asked them. You know, same thing. I said, you know, I want some of that whimsical shit in Final Fantasy. Like, that's part of its identity. Is that going to be in here? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah we got, we got that. Uh, to what, whimsy. To, Don't you to, worry, Michael. To what extent, though, is is a little different? Because I know we like we all know that they're trying to go for something else. They're trying to be different. I say they're trying to be different by being like everyone else in the sense, like, oh, we want to mm. be Game of Thrones, and like Game of Thrones, that's <laughs> that's not exactly whimsical, right? Uh, I'm not going to have. <laughs> I mean, a little it's a, it's a song. The dragons are cute. I think the dragons are cute. Oh, the dragons are cute. Uh, I don't know you if know, I call it. You know, when they're not like burning people alive. We're not know, eating innocent people's goats. Yeah, like, sons. you know, committing <laughs> war crimes, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, ex I expect a lot of war crimes in this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Final yeah. 16 war crimes. I'm pretty, much, I'm pretty much on board with Ash uh, in that regard. I, I was just going to say, like, my, my takeaway was largely that we saw a lot of combat and this was very much them trying to be like, we are doing something different. We are trying to make a final fantasy in the way that final fantasy has been radically different with each entry, especially since final fantasy like nine and 10, where that series has reimagined itself over and over again. And I, I do find it's so weird to me that they're leading and so many people are using God of war as a touchstone to me. Cause to me, this is, this is Devil May Cry. Oh, this yeah. is people yeah, have played yeah. one game, and that is God of War. And they're going to compare every action game to God <laughs> yeah. of War now. Yeah, God of War, winner of the IGN vote for the greatest game of all time or whatever Ooh, IGN readers shit, voted. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, it's it's the game that everyone's played. So I know like the marketing reason for why you would do that. But they literally went and got Ryota Suzuki. Shout outs. Uh, who's worked on Devil May Cry, Dragon's Dogma, Mar Marvel versus Capcom 2. There, there were there was a moment when I was playing this demo and I was looking at one of the abilities, the Garuda abilities, and it was literally like this attack can be used midair. And I had that moment, that flashback yeah. to reading a command list in a fighting game and seeing air OK next to it. Yep. And being like, <laughs> oh, this is that kind of game, huh? And the more I played it and the more I messed around with it, the more I was like, yeah, it's that game. It's it's that to me. It has a lot of very like, action I, forward. They have a lot of numbers yeah. popping up. To remind you that That's this is an in RPG. fact this is an, an RPG. RPG. It's an RPG <laughs> promise, but this is all about the the parries and the timed yeah. the timed counters. God of War, like Kratos doesn't like have midair attacks where he just hangs suspended in the air for like ten seconds while he just kicks the crap yeah, out of everyone. He just chills out and, that boy's and heavy. gets his. <laughs> <laughs> he can't float. <laughs> his MP recharges, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You throw the axe. And then you pull the axe back, and then sometimes you hit them with the uh, the chains. Can I and jump? No, we're not, we're not going to turn this into the God of War dunk. <laughs> That's for a lot. different podcast. But I like God of War 2018 for for what it is. But my so I have only been able to watch uh, actual gameplay and uh, video previews and whatnot. I've read some previews, and my impression of Final Fantasy 16 um, from a distance from a distance, a distance is that it. Uh, you know, it's doubling down on the action. Actually, it looked good. Like, the graphics are quite gorgeous. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it's pretty. It really looked good. It has yeah. a sense of scale that I find extremely impressive. Yeah. Um, 
they do that mix that AAA RPGs love to do where you have the really tight and intense one-on-one fights, but then sometimes you have the the little cutscenes in between where they're doing that's meant to make the actual action pop more mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Your your character is named Clive and he, he's a guy and he has a dog and he, yeah. uh, he's yeah. getting all, he's absorbing all the icons. Like I hope the characters are better. Um, in the final version, because What's Clive seems like Clive? a little bit of a stiff. Why is everyone just like Clive? I don't think Clive is a bad name. Clive's fine. Clive, no, that's but a it's fine just, name. it's just, it's Clive. You Clive know. doesn't fit with the. I mean, maybe it does. Like if you go all the way back to like six, but like Clive now, after like Cloud and Squall and Titus and Noctis, Noctis, yeah. Lucis, Calum, yeah, all that stuff is like. Hey, Vaughn with two A's. Two A's. Uh, he has two I think A's. Clive would have fit in Final Fantasy twelve, okay. Yeah, he feels yeah. like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Sidolphus is a fucking badass name though. Yeah, Sidolphus is great. I do like Sidolphus. And it feels like Final Fantasy twelve, at least, you know, with the tone of the mm. story and those like this all this political machinations and all these uh different countries like fighting each other and control of resources and stuff like that it very feels very much like they took like the political intrigue of 12 and plopped it into 15 into mm. 16 which is which is great because i fucking love 12 is like one of my favorites amazing yeah so you know that's fine i just one of the things that i like took away from you know the experience was that final fantasy like the developers of final fantasy 16 really wanted us to share with people like you that this is for new this is for new fans this is not mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. it's also for like everybody right but they really wanted to us to hammer home the fact like you can please make sure you tell your readers that you don't have to play <laughs> any of the other final fantasies in order to play this yeah. one like, and that it feels like what you know which is a, 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 um that's been a thing that's always been a part of the the series right yeah but they were really specific about that and i think one of, and one of the things that they did share with us was the fact that you know the numbers are going down and that they want to attract new people and i feel like that they feel like that the best way to do that is to make this game feel like you know the games that sell 10 million copies in like six months or whatever which is your gods of war and your devil may cry yeah, yeah and this Bayonetta, honestly, like the the big mm-hmm. fight kaiju fight reminded me of like yeah. the, yeah, the little different things that Bayonetta likes to do, where it's like it's a beat 'em up, and then next it's like it's space a real shooter, yeah. exactly, yeah. And yeah. that's yeah. they they shared with us like even though we didn't get to see those icon fights, like one icon fight will be like a, a like space harrier or an yeah. or something like that. So that's cool. what they're trying to do, which you know is fine. I still hope that we still have you know chocobos and. And Moogles. Um, I don't know. We, we will have. Yeah, I've, Moogles. I've confirmed. confirmed in, in, in my interview, I can confirm Chocobos and Moogles. There's a Chocobo yeah, in one cool. of the first trailers. Yeah. 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 The white mm-hmm. one. It was cute. When, I think when we'll Clive be okay. Young boy. But I, Nadia when and I had a little. Clive di- was a young boy. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. <laughs> you did on purpose. Nadia and I had a little debate off the air um, about whether or not Final Fantasy 16 would outsell Diablo 4. And. The the internet said Diablo Four was gonna yeah yeah Nadia it. Nadia you you picked a losing battle on that one. Well, the no, reason but... I even started up with that shit is because Cat was like, "Oh, it's gonna flop." I said, "There's no way this game's gonna flop. Will it sell as much as Square Enix wants? Probably not, because Square Enix wants what, the moon." What's a flop to you? What's a flop to you? You're the one who who started saying Final Fantasy Sixteen <laughs> was gonna be a flop. Final Fantasy Sixteen is not going to be like doing twenty million units sold. That's what I'm saying. 
and that's, not that's what really Square Enix really wants bar. it to be. That's a really, really It'll probably high bar. it wants yeah. Final Fantasy 16 to be what like Square a 10 to 20 million selling. What is actually minimum. reality is two very different things. They're putting so. a lot of money into this game, a lot of marketing. They see Final Fantasy as a triple A action RPG series that is on par with God of War. That is what they see it as. So yeah, I they agree. do want 20 to 30 million copies sold. I agree what you're with what you're saying, but if it doesn't if it sells 10 million, that's not a flop. That's a very good sale. And I know Square doesn't but that's the the poison of capitalism now is like, oh, you made 10 million, well next time you got to make 20 million. Like it's just yeah. the way things are out of control now, but it's not really on the game itself. The game I think itself it depends really on the word of mouth. And here's why. Mm. Because it's coming out in June, which turns out to be a terrible time for Especially, it to be coming out because yeah. it's such a crowded time. There are so yeah. many people who are on summer vacation and want to be out and about. Like, if you look at, like, at least from my perspective, often numbers would kind of go down during the summer because people are less engaged with video games. I don't know. Like, I think that Final Fantasy 16. It needs to have a long tail. It needs to have super positive word of mouth in order to exceed mm-hmm. expectations. Otherwise, I'm a little worried that's going to get buried. I mean, it, coming out a month after Tears of the Kingdom, whenever yeah, that's what yeah. yeah. is, is a bad idea. Like from May onward, there should just be like no video games. <laughs> <laughs> no more. Video like if you want Kingdom your video comes game. out, Starfield comes out. I'm good. That's it. It's over. No more video games. <laughs> and it's such a shame that Square Enix probably has saddled Final Fantasy 16 with such unreasonable expectations mm-hmm. because a lot of the games that they have made are really good. They just didn't perform as well as Square Enix would wanted them to. Like, um, Guardians of the Galaxy was actually a really excellent game. It, like, was, it was very really good. Right. good. I Nobody played that. that. Nobody. Like, no, it, it, I don't know how well it sold or how well it didn't sell, but like, nobody played that game. It was a great game. We can probably talk a little bit about Forspoken because I thought that was a great game, but that definitely did not perform as well as Square Enix probably would have liked it to. Considering like several, not that many days after the game released, they completely dissolved Luminous Productions and reabsorbed that back into its body. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Well, so Luminous and Forspoken and a lot of the stuff is, is good to bring up because the weird thing about 16 is this is like the first final fantasy in a while that hasn't had massive development issues and hasn't been this like long True. arduous task of getting a game across the finish line. That's Yoshida. Like 16. Yeah. Like everything about 16 is very much. They looked at what went so well for 14 plus how do we make something that appeals to the kids? And that is like <laughs> the merger. That is, they take the, the leadership that literally saved 14 and pair them with, the the dude who worked on the combat for the arguably one of the best devil may cries uh, and and certainly a game that put that series back on the map in my opinion mm-hmm. i don't think uh, it's arguable i think dmc5 is the best De- devil may cry i i i have a soft spot for three as well but three I, is excellent. I, yeah but uh like pairing those two together and saying like, okay, we've got a team that will deliver a video game. will deliver a video game. <laughs> unlike some of the other final fantasies we had it's in the past. It's going to happen. This is not <laughs> yeah. going to be rebooted yeah. like five times. Like they're, final fantasy 15. They're, they're looking at luminous mm-hmm. over there with like the, the prequel movie and the multiple DLC episodes afterwards and stuff like that. And just being like, no, we're not having that. Like 
if anything, I felt like an, a, a quiet part of this whole media tour was them going like, this video game is real. It exists. It is <laughs> launching in June. We are not like they were very much like we're not pushing it unless a meteor hits the earth. Like this is going to happen. Oh, no. Sephiroth <laughs> suffered meteor. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that Final Fantasy 16 will be better than Final Fantasy 15. That is not a question to me. At all. I like 15, um, though. I do like and that. I did like that. 15. 15 had its mm-hmm. problems, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, 15, 15, 15 had, had the, ideas. the character, though. 15 had the boys, had, and I feel like they were the great. Boys. It is. I'm, I see what you're saying, and I have a soft spot for the boys, and I liked the cooking, but as a game, it it is it, it is a shambles. The, the combat is terrible. The open yeah, the world is real really bad. bad. <laughs> well, I mean... It's kind of a mess. It's a it's a big patchwork mess of a game. Sorry to say, I, in my think, opinion, yeah, nothing. Fifteen is not any indication of where sixteen is going. In it case anyone soul. was wondering, it had a car, yeah, yeah, flying uh, car, nice car, which I yeah. have in fourteen. The, so I'm good. Like, like to compare it to fifteen, it's like fifteen felt like they were trying to do action while still keeping a foot in the Final Fantasy realm, and like something else that they brought up um, in my interview was like the command menu like they them issuing the command menu and when you think about it like final fantasy does always try to have that little command menu that, mm-hmm. that you're kind of flipping yeah. through and making options on a little like burp, 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 as you go through and it's not there no you just you just have a ui that is built for the thing that you are trying to do and so in some ways people might look at that and be like oh you're you're getting rid of everything that makes final fantasy final fantasy but also like you're you're trying to make a good video game first and foremost and that's what is like given me a little bit more hope for 16 is that the the goal has seemed to be let's make a really good rpg let's make the rpg that we want to make and let's not necessarily you know get strung up on what makes an rpg what i mean and this is going to wheel us into the discourse that spun out of all these interviews but like not get hung up on like what an rpg should be and all that is this game an RPG? Yes. What makes it an RPG? Glad we had this talk. Um, you have build diversity. You have mm-hmm. uh, you're leveling up your character, and you are getting numbers stats. go up. Numbers do go up. Uh, you have you have build. So I mean, we should probably actually talk about how the game plays at some point. Uh, <laughs> but you you have like uh, so they gave us a Clive that was a little bit more kitted out than what you would probably be at for this point in the game. So you had access to three different icon aspects. So Phoenix, Garuda, Titan, and the way it would work is you would kind of shift between them using the trigger and then uh, you would use that you'd have kind of two different abilities that you would assign so you'd only have two abilities for phoenix two abilities for garuda and all that Mm -hmm. and those would be your icon abilities that would kind of be your combo extenders or would have special effects and stuff and you'd also have your circle which was like a universal like icon mechanic so for phoenix that was a dash that like closed the gap between you and an enemy whereas garuda it was actually a grab that yanked them to you and for Titan, it was like this big bulwark that you put up to block a hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the general flow of that game is you I, I would kind of go into a menu. I'd set up my abilities. I'd be like, OK, what do I want? I want the Phoenix thing that lets me do the rising uppercut. I want to show Ryukin, the bad guys. I want the the Garuda uh berserker barrage where i just do, 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 do with the claws and i want the t- oh the titan where you you hit the button to start winding up and you have to hold it and then it like starts got the little, little radial and you, yeah. gotta, you gotta drop it 
right in the the red zone. If you hit the red zone, Clive just like dunks him with a Titan fist yeah. in the ground. <laughs> and so I'd get into this combo where I was like, I'd charge in with Phoenix. I'd start slashing. I'd do the rising uppercut to take him into the air. Then I'd switch to Garuda and start comboing him there and do the Berserker barrage. I'd even do a grab to like keep him in the air a little bit longer. And then to finish it off, I'd switch into Titan and just slam him into the ground. And I'm it just went to the Titans hey, on, ass, on an ass pound. You know what that is? You know what you just described? Kingdom Hearts. You just uh, described an action or, game, my dude. Or Tales of Arise. Like it, yeah, it sure. reminds oh, me a lot of playing person. Tales of Arise. Yeah. That's a good Sounds good to me. I'm sold. Yeah. Got a great battle system. Yeah, and like there's there's different types there's different enemy types that you have to approach differently too. So you can't like just air juggle everyone. There's like a right. big hulking dude where okay, I'm gonna have to change my strategy a little bit where I have to think more about the stagger system than I am about air juggling. Um, and then so uh, positionals are kind of a thing where if you can get backstabs, you bring up their stagger mm-hmm. meter a little bit more. And then when you stagger them, you got the multiplier uh, and then you wail on them and you could like bust out your well, the limit break is basically limit it's just break. it's just Spartan Rage. That's all. Uh-huh. <laughs> it really yeah. is just Spartan uh-huh. Rage. Uh-huh. At least so far from what I've seen. Um, but yeah, the numbers fly. Listen, it's got flying flying damage numbers. Shit, that's all I need. Um, but yeah, you you do have that's to like change I up need. your strategy a little bit. I really liked. I think the Suparna and uh, what's her face, Shrada. The Bird Twins, yeah, the Garuda Juniors. I think that yeah. was, that I think that fight like was Cell very, Juniors. I think that fight was very indicative of how this game, uh, like the the heights of how this gameplay can be. Um, there's a, there was fucking there was AOE markers on the ground. I, I saw that I saw the the line AOEs and I was like, oh, mm, I seen this yeah. shit in Eden, yeah. Eden Savage. I so, see this, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, so it has that still has elements uh, like that in there. So. Um, it's yeah, it's it's still an RPG to me, but uh, definitely leans heavier into the action side. But I do like the the systems and mechanics do there. There is a thoughtful and cerebral aspect to it. So it's not just, um, you know, I'm not I'm, just, I'm not just pulling up and mashing square. I mean, but you can uh, if you want to. Uh, but there are systems in place that really make this uh, make this combat system sing. Uh, which I'm excited to dig into. One thing I like is their approach to difficulty with the ex- the rings, yeah, which allow you yeah. to get various abilities. That, for example, being able to dodge more easily, I think, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. The auto combo. Um, yeah, and I think that having that as an option to really soften the difficulty is uh, is the word diegetic <laughs> way of like <laughs> dealing with a uh, difficulty rather than just having a straight up difficulty options. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. But there will be difficulty options. We've yes. been told. There's like yeah. a Final Fantasy mode that will be unlocked mm. at the end of the game. And the way that the, it was really intelligent the way that they described like difficulty. It wasn't like, okay, the monsters hit harder and there are more of them. But they talked about how they, you know, you're you're still going through the same game, but we've changed up what enemies appear and how, you know, enemy composition groups and that kind of stuff to, so it's not just like, okay, everybody's got, you know, twice as much health or anything like that. It was, it was, it seemed very thoughtful for this new, like new game plus hard mode. Yeah. They mm-hmm. have designed. Yeah. And maybe this kind of argues for it to be more, more of an action game, but in that new game plus they basically have like an arcade style mode uh, that yeah. has the grading system that you see in DMC. 
Uh, you're going to be judged on that. There's going to be leaderboards. So I'm like, all right, they want freaking they want leaderboards, people. man. Come yeah, on. they want they want people like really digging into the yeah. They would the want deeper deeper if thing. it's good, then it's good. Like yeah. that's that's kind of where I just end up at is is I keep I have those moments, cat. To be fair, where I'm like they're putting arcade mode in a Final Fantasy game, but then I stop and I'm like, Hell why yeah. not? Yeah, like if Hell it's yeah. if it's good at the end of the day, is that not what we want from? final fantasy like i don't i don't show up to a final fantasy game wanting the same old there's so many other ways i can get the same old from everything else like if you want a good turn-based rpg let me tell you about octopath traveler rpg let me tell you about lost odyssey lost that's a poll yeah uh uh, but I'm so I, invested in Eric's Octopath Traveler 2 playthrough. Yeah, no. <laughs> if we ever do a Lost Odyssey Pantheon, we need to get Ash on for that one. Oh, yeah. of course. Heck Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but that that's the thing with Final Fantasy is like I want it, even Final Fantasy Remake, like I think if that had just been an exact recreation of the original Final Fantasy combat system and all that, I don't think it would have been as <laughs> interesting in the and I know Kat. I know, I know. But I, I want I that. actually like FF7R's combat a lot. It's a lot of I fun. Didn't. That's what I'm saying. Is everybody you, you kind don't of like it, Ash? Why freaked don't you? I, didn't, I couldn't like the different stances that you had to like mm. do and trying to It could be a little opaque. It's a lot to process. Yeah, and yeah. then trying to, you know, work that out so you can make the stagger bar go up fill so you can figure that the fuck out was like a terrible time for me. Like I did better in Final Fantasy 15, I did not like Final Fantasy 7 Remake. What was another mm. game that did? Oh, Final Fantasy 13, I feel like did that stagger shit really well because you could just, yeah, you could yeah. paradigm shift and you could, you know, hit them with the spells and if it was an enemy that did the spell thing and then you finish them off when they're staggered with the with the melee and shit like that. Like that worked really well, but everything else since that it just has been terrible for me, but it seems like Final Fantasy 16 kind of like mixed up a bunch of different I don't know aspects of combat from different games that made it such that to me personally that it was better that I yeah. could actually like stagger something because I could stagger shit in Final Fantasy VII and it made it <laughs> yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I want to talk briefly about some of Naoki Yoshida's uh, comments uh, from the various interviews that came out of Final Fantasy XVI. One of the chief ones is that he said that he considered uh, the term Japanese RPG discriminatory. Um, which was uh, it was an interesting comment that brought up some discourse on Twitter. And reading, reading the context from it, uh, he specifically said that, especially when it came into fashion, which was 15 years ago, uh, yeah. that it felt very derogatory. And, and it was, yeah. Contextually, yeah. yeah, it really was quite derogatory um, at the time. I, there's there's been a lot of discussion about this in 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 the Blood God Discord in in Twitter online and something that I even saw today was people were because there's been a lot of people being like what do you mean I don't remember I've, I've never used that derogatorily uh, go look at some old clips of X play <laughs> go look oh, at God. some I old, saw that or, like, uh, that you're talking about yeah like that, like yeah. there there was an era of of time where borderline racism even oh definitely <laughs> not even even borderline, not even borderline yeah. <laughs> yeah well I, I was just gonna say like there's i, I said this in our, our, our chat earlier this week i still think it holds true is is i think there was a sentiment of oh well we're past that though like yeah, jrpgs exactly. are past that but here's the thing and and like why yoshida brings it up and why i think it's still important to talk about is number one it can be a very othering term in the same way that a lot of 
international acts struggle, international films struggle on the award scene. You mm-hmm. see the same thing given to games when when the J gets slapped on there. But also, it is, even if we have moved past it, even if we have theoretically, like JRPG is not the negative term that it was back then, these are developers who lived through it. Mm, and I yes. do not fault them at all for having that moment where they're like, yeah, we went through that. So we don't forget that. <laughs> like you have the luxury of moving on and moving past. Certainly it, I'm not here to tell actual Japanese developers yeah. how they should feel yeah. about the term JRPG. I'm not here for that. Yeah, yeah. not at all. Which is which is really weird to see like some of our mm-hmm. colleagues on Twitter say like, oh, no, it was actually for this, this, this and this. And this is no. weird. And, it's actually like, no, okay, that was not cool it. it. That is yeah. not it. Well, at all. I remember, Yoshida, allow me to explain how you should be feeling about this term. That obviously, person. you Let have a lot of you. feelings about. <laughs> <laughs> and I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we need more precise language because I as I was kind of talking about, I see RPGs as a, a tree. And that it spreads, splits into a lot of different paths. And I think that uh, the Dragon Quest line has very kind of distinct, um, a distinct branch versus, say, the games that inspired Bioware and mm-hmm. Interplay and games like that. Um, the more novel-like approach as opposed to the more sandbox-like approach that is favored by games with a heavy CRPG lineage. So I would say that what we need to think about is can we describe this more precisely than just saying JRPG? Because let's be honest, a game like uh, Chained Echoes it was not developed in Japan. Uh, it's like it has mm-hmm. a certain style to it. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. The um, it definitely pulls a lot from games like Chrono Cr- Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI and whatnot. But um, yeah. I, it was an it was an interesting uh, conversation. Um, Yoshida had a lot to say <laughs> on this. Yeah, yeah, he has a lot Dude of opinions. Talks, doesn't well, he? on some <laughs> on some talk topics, he had a lot to say. On other topics, he did not have much to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, he had a lot to say that added up to nothing, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Ask me how I know. Is <laughs> <laughs> there have there's... A, uh, a handler or anything with him when he's doing? Oh yeah, games? he has handlers. Yeah, he's got translators. Yeah. He's got translators. Okay. yeah, yeah. I mean. For, for Several, our interviews actually. for the round table, we had there there was one other translator in the room, but the main person who was handling the translating, at least in my round table interview, was, was Koji, Koji Fox. Fox. Yeah, Koji yeah. Fox. Oh, did yeah, the, yeah. He did the interpreting, uh, and then the the other guy was giving the rest of the the team the questions. So Koji Fox didn't have to do both at the same time, while because he also mm-hmm. was jumping in on the conversation as well. Mm. Um, there, there's a there's a great piece on the Verge. Who could have written this piece? <laughs> I think I know the person who wrote that piece. So if, we, yeah. if, if, if we want to talk about that right now, we can. Yeah, actually, I want to talk about it. Yeah. Okay, so to give people who may not know some background, um, maybe like back in November, they gave uh, Yoshida gave an interview in IGN in which IGN asked to Cat Bailey. That's actually Cat. Hey, hey. That's Cat's joint. Yeah. yeah. Asked about, you know, can we see? Can we expect some diversity in Final Fantasy 16? And uh, Yoshida said, like diversity is very important to us and then there's a but which you know completely and, negates yeah. everything yeah. Yeah. and the but was like well basically we have this idea for this world and it's very i don't know i guess restricted or it's it's centered on european history in this specific time and because of that we don't want to over include which is a word that he used like over include you know people word. of color because it wouldn't be like I, and 
I'm butchering exactly what he said, but it, it was basically like, we don't want to add too many people of color because it would, it would violate the narrative boundaries that we've set for ourselves with this world that we wanted to create. Would, Which, would you like the direct quote? I have it pulled up if you want. Please do. Please do. Ultimately, we felt that while incorporating ethnic diversity into Valisthea, the world of Final Fantasy 16, editor's note, was important, an over-incorporation into this single corner of a much larger world could end up causing a violation of those narrative boundaries we originally set for ourselves. The story we are telling is fantasy, yes, but also rooted in reality. Which, so did the, did the Moors the, not exist? The, the rooted in reality <laughs> is the one that fucking kills me. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. the rooted in reality that kind of fucks it up hey, for this me is, too. This is Final Fantasy, but let's have some reality. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the fucking thing, right? Because, yeah. you know, we're going to do this whole fucking song and dance again, which I really hate doing when people be like, oh, historical accuracy. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, people of color were there in the time period that you're trying to emulate. They like, knew how to make that ships is the and reality. sail them. I mean... Like the, that that's the reality right yeah and it so, is <laughs> this reminds me of the discourse around kingdom come deliverance which came out in 2018 mm. exactly mm. Yeah, it's like, oh, and God, was being now. explicitly set up as an eastern european rpg and they got into this whole discourse about whether or not people of color existed in that particular time in that particular area and it got really aggressive and really toxic and i'm sorry to say that yoshida's comments reminded me a lot of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. think it's incredibly reductive to say no, there were only white people at this time. Hey, guess what, guys? There was something called international trading happening at this time, okay? Egypt, for God's sake. Even like, just the idea of using it as like, oh, well, you know, this is reality, so that's why we're not going to have it. When we have games, like like Wo Long has been really big this week, and it has an amazing character creator where you can yeah. make the character that you yeah. want to play as. And I, I just, I it feels weird that, this is the one area where suddenly a line starts getting drawn in the sand of like, this is where we have to adhere to what our vision of reality is. And like, why is the line being drawn here? And well, uh, what really kind of gets me, Oh, I'm sorry, Ashton. Just no, no, there. please go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, go ahead. Didn't we just have like Endwalker, which had Razatan, which was actually a really, really well done representation of South Asia, like the food, yeah. the culture, the celebrations, mm-hmm. like the, the um, clothing with yeah. the, I mean, it, it was great. And w- what the hell this all vanish? Yoshida, you're not stupid. Don't be, don't act stupid. So because, you know, going into this, I'm like, okay, well, I got to I got to ask a follow up because a lot of people after Mm -hmm. that initial interview, especially a lot of fans of color were like, well, fuck you. Right. Like this, this makes (laughs) me sad, specifically because Yoshida is this like very much well-beloved developer for all the work that he's done for Final Fantasy 14. Right. So I go into this and I'm like, all right, well, have you. Because you said the things that you said about, you know, Valistia or whatever. And have you had the opportunity to, you know, reflect on those comments? And what would you say to fans of color who are like turning their back on the game and that kind of stuff? And basically the answer he gave me was like, we diversity again, diversity is important. And uh, we want to make sure that when we do these things that they're done with nuance and whatever. But we want to we want players to get their hands on the game and then hopefully they can see the vision, Yeah, which is like, okay, that that's, that's not exactly addressing what I asked. Like, you know, what, whatever, fine, whatever. And the thing that stuck with me the most about, you know, his, his first answer, his answer to the follow-up and then everything that I saw uh, with the demo is that you want this world that is, you know, it looks a specific way. It has characters that all look a specific way that inhabit this world, but you create a world that takes from the real world that 
has elements of people of color, like, right. Mm -hmm. So you, you've got this place, like even, even it's not even internally consistent is what I'm saying. Like Mm -hmm. you want this all white world, but then you don't make a world that looks like, you know, what we would imagine an all white world would look like. Cause you've got this one area that even harkens to another place in final fantasy lore outside of 16, that definitely was filled with people of color. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about Damascus and final fantasy 12. Mm -hmm. You've got Mm -hmm. Delmechia that's got like, you know, domed thing, domed structures that look like mosques and it's a desert area Mm -hmm. and it survives by trade and things like that. It's like, that's all, that's all Middle Eastern stuff, right? Yeah, dude. So like, why are you saying that you want this world to specifically emulate this specific point in time? And because of that, we're, we're making all these characters look a certain way. And then you throw, it's, it's like whitewashing to me. Like, and then you take mm-hmm. these things that are from very obviously from cultures of color and you plop them in this world and then don't include people of color in them. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah right. I, I, it, it is very much going to be have to be a wait and see. Like I did, I didn't see any people of color in yeah. in, in, in yeah. our little playthrough. So you know, there might secretly be brown people hiding somewhere in the corner. <laughs> Secret brown people. <laughs> so I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I've been like around you the know, corner. wait and see. But like just from what I have gone off from what he has said before and what he told me then, it was like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. But whatever. yeah, I what so, kind of, oh, sorry, Michael, go ahead. So I asked the same. I asked the same question, and it, it felt like. Like the way they answer is like, okay, well, let's just we're gonna we're gonna answer this question again. All right, so um, and they pretty much told me the same thing, and they they really pointed to the Dalmechian Republic, which is the the desert area, and so like it, whether it was Koji Fox or uh, Yoshida trying to tell me that like yes, there is diversity, but I, I think we've reached a point in which we've kind of we're get we got as much as we could possibly get out of them prior yeah, to yeah, they're release. yeah, they're not so, answering any more questions yeah, like that because they're like. Because basically, when Yoshida was talking, he's like, I, "We're not interested." Like, pretty much, like, we're not interested. We're not going to say anything more. We're not going to answer anymore. Like, you just wait, wait till the game comes out. <laughs> yeah, and so like, they really, which really... is basically like a sh- stop fucking asking me this question. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> you, you so, know when you've been shut out. Yeah, so they 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 really pointed to like, yes, we do have diversity, but we want you to see it in the full game. So I'm like, all right, well, if that's the case, then I think that's that's one of the many aspects that i'm gonna be like really paying attention to because if because mm. mm-hmm. i'm like when they told me that it's like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna hold y'all to it uh like if that's if that's your the, your design ethos or whatever if that's what you're going with let's see if y'all can actually live up to that um to the words to what you're what you're saying to me because uh and they specifically pointed to hugo which uh has been in the pre-release materials he is the dominant of titan he is from the dalmachian republic mm-hmm. in the world of valistia and they're like oh yeah yeah like hugo is Okay, here's the thing. The way they were dancing around trying to say either, I don't know what they were trying to imply. If they were trying to say black or brown or a person of color, I don't think they're necessarily equipped to be answering those questions. Like they don't, I don't know if this was like a Koji Fox thing or uh, if it was something else or if it was just like PR training or whatever. But they they were like, yeah, Hugo, he's, you know, he's a character from Dalmeki and he's a... we have an actor, to, then the voice <laughs> actor is, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Tell me, say, please yeah. use your words, dog. I'm, help me help you. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, all right, all right. I think I think I've, we've hit a wall with this to where, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, I don't know. But I, it goes it goes beyond that, too. Like um, and I think like Ash, your, your piece on the verge uh, digs deeper into just and it digs much deeper to them than what the 16 devs have told us. Um, like it's kind of in a way it's like 
what they what they talk about when they mention the diversity in their world it's yeah there's there are a lot more dynamics to it than what uh we've seen and what they've said so um but yeah i again like like i mean to their like like they said like we can't really we'll see we'll see it when we get it and i'm just i don't know i i think when you mention places like Radzat Han and Davnir, and when I think about the World of Seven remake and um, some of the other like replaying um, like nine and ten and just the ways those games incorporate just different cultures, even if mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like and I don't necessarily see myself in a lot of characters. Unfortunately, I see myself in a lot of Waka, but that fool's fucking racist. So that's <laughs> yeah, Waka's that. got a podcast he wants you to listen to. Oh, oh, no. He definitely reminds me of like my my aunties and uncles who fell off the deep end. Um, no, no. So let me mm-hmm. tell you about about aunties and uncles in the Philippines who uh, who love dictatorships. But um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I hope there's more to what we've seen. Even like there's a walkthrough of. Uh, in a clip from a previous trailer of walking through the area of the Dalmachian Republic. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I got much faith in what y'all been saying. Cause mm-hmm. yeah. It's also interesting that the entire ethos behind final fantasy 16 is that they want to have this like broad appeal. And then mm-hmm. they, yeah. this, is, this is how they choose to, I don't know, create their world when, that is definitely not what's happening in other games that are, you know, basically doing the same thing. Like mm-hmm. you've got Wo Long, which is like very specifically in like 190, like Yellow Turban Rebellion China. And I'm mm-hmm. I get to be like a big old black lady running around, which is fan fucking tastic. <laughs> and then you've got God of, even God of War itself, right? Like this is yeah. very firmly, you know, within Norse culture and traditions and aesthetic and vibes. And we still got Anger Boda running around. Mm-hmm. Like it, it can uh, be done. Like, like yeah, Hades yeah. is a great example. The yeah, Pentiment. Like, like there's so much stuff that has like tackled this so well. And it's again, it's it's not even like I feel like there's one aspect of playing gotcha and being like, well, this this is not true. And there's also just like, why are they drawing the line here in the first place? Like, why is this such a and it's 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 the way they're trying to frame it. It's the way they're trying to like, oh, we made this thing and and this is how it's turned out. So it is what it is yeah. because they can't realistically I think no, go no. back and, and suddenly shift this game. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I, I think it is like at the very least something that is worth considering. And I would hope that there's been at least some looking at this and being like, yeah, why did, why did the game we made turn out this way? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're running yeah. out of time, but my last oh, question sure. that I have for the group is having played final fantasy 16, are you more or less excited for the final game? And I'll start with you, Michael. I've said this before that uh, I'm just as excited for the game, but for different reasons now. Where uh, now that uh, I've all my questions have been answered about how the combat play, like the gameplay aspects, I'm convinced that this is the right direction. I love me my stylish action games and the fact that Final Fantasy is doing it and doing it in their own way. And it turned out to be really solid so far. I'm like, oh shit! I really want to play this game. Um, where and beforehand, I looked at it and thought, oh, it's the f- like a lot of DNA of Final Fantasy 14, which is my favorite game of all time. I was looking, I'm like, oh wow, this is going to be a really impressive narrative that is probably going to get me in my feelings. And so the the it's kind of flipped for me, where now I'm ske- skeptical of the story because I don't know. I'm sure they're gonna, like they're going to nail the approach of them, like oh, we want to make a darker. 
a more violent story that still has themes of hope because they mentioned Endwalker in my interview and they said, yeah, this this game is also about hope, finding hope in darkness and uh, mm-hmm. just told in a very different way. And I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds great. Uh, but from what I'm seeing so far, um, I, I think it so far it's taking itself a little too seriously to the point where I can't mm. get like get invested in the characters. Like I have emotional experiences with cat boys in 14. I love Vivi. Vivi I've is, been broken. Yeah. Listen. And I asked like, yo, they're going to be cat boys or not. And they're like, ah, not exactly, but there's going to be <laughs> something for you. It's like, all right, well, bunny girls, shit, let's go. Um, <laughs> and, I'm not picky. Bunny girls, cat boys. I'll take yeah. both. And then so the sort of the, the things that I've really, identified with in final fantasy i'm still looking for that stuff but goddamn does this game feel great to play um and i've said before that when i put my controller down i don't want to just be like holy shit i whooped ass and that was an incredible boss fight that i conquered like when i play a final fantasy game i put the controller down i want to be thinking about i want to be reflective i want to learn something new about myself i know that's like oh can't ask that of every game but in my experience, that is what Final Fantasy has been about. If, it, if anything, if it's not an RPG or whatever, I want something that's going to uh, really hit me in my feelings. Um, mm. And a, pretty much every Final Fantasy game in some capacity has done that. Um, I don't know if this is going to be striking the tone that does that for me. Um, mm. And that's going to be one of the things that I'm definitely going to be paying attention to when we get the full game. How about you, Eric? Yeah, uh, I'm not far off from that assessment. I I went into this, the the story just kind of seemed so-so to me from the trailers. I was like, yeah, I like big icons. I like it when Ifrit and, and Odin and Garuda and all them fight. And I, I weirdly think that part's probably not, it's going to be really cool, but it's not going to land as much for me in the main game. Now I've played one of those icon on icon fights. And like I wrote in my preview, that was like trying to, drive a flaming semi truck into the eye of a hurricane playing that that uh section you were just this big lumbering yeah e trying to punch garuda in the mouth kirby did it better um, yeah um but i really I, I again the design we didn't talk too much about the boss battles i think the boss battles are absolutely incredible the benedicta fight was my personal favorite um but even just the design of garuda as an icon in the way that those dominants like transform different aspects of themselves and become more monstrous and become more like fan fantasy inspired as they like power level up is, is very anime in a way that I very much like it's, it's very much like my, my super Saiyan one, my super Saiyan two, they keep like leveling up as the boss fights keep escalating. <laughs> yeah. It's um, so I, I dug all that. I do have questions now about the story because I feel like that is the least they have talked about. Mm. Like now that I know the combat, like Michael was saying, now that I know the combat. I'm actually kind of intrigued to see what they do with it, to see if it pans out, to see if their weird, not open world, but open area idea for what this thing is going to be is going to work out or not. Because um, they they did in my interview mention that you can go find side areas that will give you more information stuff like that and so i'm curious if this game is not open world as they're adamantly saying then how that all is going to work and how it's going to flow but yeah i i went from being like i was always going to play this i was always going to try it out but i am now actually curious and and actually you know looking forward to it but i do have those moments of okay what how is the story going to land because i feel like that is the thing the story in the world and and actually walking around and doing things that aren't just running through dungeons and boss battles is the big question mark for me now and um so yeah if i was at like a solid just middle of the road 50 before in in terms of interest i may be at like a 
65 70 now I'm, I'm getting more interested but that interest has some caveats yeah i'm excited to play it it'll be fun i was already interested to play it at the very least i don't know that this game has changed my opinion appreciably i feel like uh, square has been very consistent in their messaging about what exactly this will be the good news is that i like a good action rpg uh ash what about you are you excited more excited or less excited after getting some time with it I'm pretty still much the same because like I said from the start like the things that I've been shown about this game are none of the things that I come to Final Fantasy for. Mm-hmm. I remember very distinctly having an emotion in that first like opening of Final Fantasy 15 where the car breaks down and you get out and push it and Florence and the machine is playing stand by me. Like that was holy shit that was like oh okay this mm-hmm. is what we're doing. I've got none of that from Final Fantasy 16 so far. So if they can nail that then we're good. And I, I, I'm excited to see how they approach that, like everybody else has said. Um, actually, what I really want to say is uh, I'm still on the fence because I have not heard enough of the soundtrack and I need to hear oh, some Masayos. Oh, the I need soundtrack to hear it. going into that Garuda fight was so good. Yeah, I need it to was, hear it. Mm. So. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Soken's just been epic. fire, like hmm. over it. Like just sitting Man's even since cannot miss. I, I need more Soken. Yes. Yeah, that boy's oh, in the ridiculous. booth. Boys in the booth, all right. He's made a deal with the devil is what he's done. Nadia, any final thoughts? Uh, I am definitely um, a little bit more interested now because the combat, uh, Ash kind of resonated with me when, when she said, like, uh, the um, 15 combat, as much as I liked 15, it was kind of messy. Uh, final Fantasy VII Remake, even though I did enjoy the game very much, I did have some trouble with the stupid Hell House in particular. I, that fight mm. just nearly yeah. broke me. I wanted to kill myself. But you know what? It's also, I'm... Definitely concerned about the whole, we were talking about people of color and the whole like really weak ass answer, which is not something I expect of Yoshida and Koji Fox, who are both excellent writers, especially Koji Fox, in my opinion. Yeah, no, look, looking forward to it for sure. I just lost my train of thought there. Damn, because I have something really cool to say. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Michael, where can we find your uh, write-up of Final Fantasy 16? Oh, you can find my full written Final Fantasy 16 preview on arstechnica.com. Um, that's, uh, yeah. From like 2,000 something words about a whole bunch of stuff. Got into localization, got into combat design, a bunch of uh, things that they told me, and my full thoughts and experiences with the gameplay. So yeah, peep that. How about you, Ash? You can find me uh, most days on The Verge. Other days, you can find me yelling about the same shit on Twitter. <laughs> at at <laughs> Astra. Hell yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. Thanks to Ash and Michael for joining us to talk about Final Fantasy 16, And we'll be right back. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
what a great discussion of Final Fantasy 16. We're recording this out of order, so I I assume that it was a great discussion. I'm sure that it was. <laughs> no, there was a lot of bodies. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah. my god! So yeah. many takes. Oh. Don't you like an idiot now? <laughs> my. <laughs> But it's time now for the Pantheon of the Blood God Revisit, the, se- the weekly segment in which we take a look at a game that we either did or did not put into the Pantheon. Ask ourselves, did we make the right call? This week we'll be revisiting Chrono Cross, which we decided not to put into the Pantheon. Uh controversially um and there was a very uh, lively discussion on this one a lot of talk but uh i seem to recall that uh feeling a lot of anger toward chrono cross because i thought it undermined chrono trigger so much and really did those characters dirty killer soundtrack though like mitsuda's best i think but what do we think folks was Chrono Cross done dirty? Did it deserve to be in the pantheon of the Blood God? I don't remember what I voted for to begin with. Uh, but it's definitely well, one of those... What would you say now? That's what I'm trying to think about. Like, I, It is definitely kind of a border game for me, a borderline game, because, uh, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but I also think that it has some... I think we kind of described it as an evolutionary dead end as far as video games are concerned, like as far as RPG systems, rather. Uh, because as much as we kind of liked the color-coded system, it wasn't really implemented in other games. And people have said things to refute that. So I'd have to go back and study. But as I am right now, as much as I love the game, I just can't really say, yeah, it's it's, it's good for the Pantheon. But then again, I hear the remake had a really... Sorry, the remaster had a, a, a patch come out to really improve it. So I might have to give another playthrough before we actually uh, make a decision on that one. The battle theme, the battle theme, single-handedly kept it out of the pantheon. Yes, I understand. I understand why, and I love, like, as you say, Mitsuda is one of his best. Um, I would say maybe Xenoblade Chronicles two and three trumps it, but just barely. I have never played a Chrono game, and uh, just just never engaged with any of that. But uh, given by the way people talk about them, uh, Chrono Cross fans are they're not quite in like the kingdom hearts fan level of no my series is actually quite good but (laughs) it's it is like chrono cross fans feel like underdogs a lot and so i do kind of have a little bit of respect for for the folks who have held out for so long who 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 stand by that game especially as as a you know controversial sequel to what is widely regarded as one of the greatest rpgs of all time so i I don't know. I believe in y'all, Chrono Cross fans. I support you. I would put the Chrono Cross fans in the Pantheon. Now, Chrono Cross itself, I, as someone who hasn't engaged with that series whatsoever, I feel like I just see people talk more about Trigger than Cross, and and I feel like sentiments largely more positive on Trigger than Cross, whereas Cross is always like, it's good, but... So this mm-hmm. is your outsider take on the Eric, whole thing, dude, going like, I don't your know homework, if it's a pantheon. Your homework this year is to play freaking Chrono Trigger. Yeah, sure. Oh, so, not that I was going to put it on the pod it's or anything. It's 20 hours. That, it's 20 hours. You can just knock it out. My my plan was, my plan has always been that when we finally kickstart some Blood God streaming, that I would take, 
you know, the mornings and do like two hours a morning every week and just play through a bunch of the old RPGs that I have not played because I'm being young. And so Chrono, Chrono Trigger was going to be the kickoff one. So this is Eric saying that live on air TBD when that streaming stuff kicks up on the Blood God channel. Look forward to me playing through Chrono Trigger finally. I just want to point out that Kal-El has just been the ultimate heel in the uh, Stars of Destiny chat saying Chrono Trigger is actually overrated. Uh, now, here's my Chrono Trigger take. Um, I think I I struggled to get into it a little bit um, in the early going, but there comes a there's there's a point where you get over the hump and it's relatively early and you get your characters and the battle system really starts to sing and the storytelling really starts to sing and all of the various conceits. I think it's when you get into the first time you get into the area between time and you start to see the full scope of what's going on with this game that you're like, Oh, oh the, yeah. the end of time. Yeah. Yeah. The end of time. From. You're starting to really get into the meat of the game at that point. And mm-hmm. yeah, like there's so many, interesting twists and turns obviously it's gorgeous the music's incredible uh i really enjoy the battle system and it's just this wonderfully crafted diamond hard gem of a game um and i thoroughly 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 enjoyed my time with it um at the end of the day but yeah like initially i think when you're starting to play you're like i, I don't really understand what the hype is around this game it seems fine um and then you find out what the hype is so uh, I would venture. I would still venture to say that Chrono Trigger is not just one of the two or three best RPGs ever made, but one of the two or three best games ever made. Maybe probably in the top ten. I think. But uh, as for Chrono Cross, I found it quite insulting um, what they did to that story. Uh, I just I, I don't like it. I don't like what they did. Um, it makes me want to uh, remove it from history. Not just the Pantheon, but from history. But hey, the future refused to change. Am I right? So, uh, no, I don't think Chrono Cross deserves to be in the Pantheon. (laughs) Anyway, Nadia, take us home. Before the show started, we were talking a bit about, um, I have a cousin who's a hockey player now, plays with the Chicago, Chicago Blackhawks, he's Cole Gutman, and I was just saying, I never met him, like I know his parents, but I don't, I don't think I've ever met him, and he's, when you're Jewish, you, you say that, but you realize, oh, I probably met him at a bar mitzvah, which is very possible, and I started thinking about the bar mitzvahs I've been to, and here's the thing, I grew up a little more religious than a lot of Jews, so... Uh, have either of you been to a bar mitzvah, like, at all, ever? No. Or bat mitzvah never, or anything never, like that? Actually. No, really? I've been to a yeah. Jewish wedding. Those are fun, different. too. I, I get, went to a Jewish wedding. That was fun. We got really plastered. My friend yeah. was being bounced around in a, in a chair. They stepped on the glass and everything. That was blast. Yeah, I didn't have one of those because I married a, <laughs> I married a goy. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I did have, uh, I did go to many bar mitzvahs as a kid. And, um... Basically, in the Orthodox tradition, the women sit at the top, like in the balcony area of the synagogue, while the men sit below in the regular area. And there's a whole thing I can't do about that, but I won't. But the point is, uh, when you're at a religious bar mitzvah, you often, you're supposed to like throw candy on the bar mitzvah boy as they're up there, like to give them a sweet life, right? So it's usually the women who do are in the charges because we're, 
or in the sniper positions. So <laughs> sniper <laughs> positions. There was one bar. This is a very short story, but it's still like clear, just burned clear in my mind. Um, the so we're at the sprint and the boy, the kid is up there doing his part part of the Torah, blah blah blah, and he pauses and. Somebody got gun shy. Somebody, some woman up in the balcony got gun shy because she screams like muzzle tub and starts whipping the candies long before you're supposed to. And the minute she starts, everybody starts whipping their candies like in the middle of this bar mitzvah. And the rabbis and all this are losing their minds going, no, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and my brother, <laughs> my younger brother is just on the floor. Like he just, <laughs> he's just lost himself. But yeah, that was actually one of the most, probably one of the more memorable Bar mitzvahs of interest. Oh, I love this image of like this lady really, like just panicking and be like, Mom, yeah. stop, <laughs> That's how it went down. That's why it's burned forever in my memory. It was really great. So incredible. <laughs> that was a really good bar mitzvah. I've been to a couple of good ones, but that was uh, I actually been, went to my brother's, of course, obviously. Um, he got Drobble Dragon on the Game Boy as a gift from one of his friends. I uh, got oh. a Walk and Chase also on the Game Boy from Lizard Friends, which is a great game, by the way. You get Walk a lot of presents in your bar mitzvah slash bat mitzvah? Um, I didn't really have a bat mitzvah. Like, again, Orthodox family. My my parents asked, of course, do you want one? I said no, because in my family, what a bar mitzvah meant was you sat there and you studied for the actual mm. reading of the Torah and all that. I'm not doing that shit. Fuck that. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 I was really now you're being sacrilegious. Uh -oh. I'm being sacrilegious again. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, usually it's um, you're supposed to get like money is always good. I mean, people say like, oh, Jews and the money. Ha ha ha. No, we we're just smart. We know that it's a lot more useful than like a bowl of py a Pyrex bowl or whatever like you get for wedding presents a lot of the time. So whatever. We just know Look, how it's done. We just like money. Uh, who doesn't? It's a very smart way to operate when it comes to bar mitzvahs. It's expensive. Yeah. You it's are true. dragging the wheel of this car all over the road. There are like 14 different pits you've just sped over in about rapid succession. Uh, but yeah, um, usually you do get presents though. Like my brother got many presents. Uh, again, the Game Boy games for good presents. And uh, yeah, I actually Double Dragon for the Game Boy was one of my favorite uh, games ever. And that's how you have the domino meme where you talk about a woman getting gun shy at a bar mitzvah down to I play Double Dragon for the Game Boy. <laughs> wow. Double Dragon on the Game Boy. <laughs> oh, and Mango, Mango Alt says, we make our communion and confirmation and get loads of money for them. So good. Yeah. Money is very practical. Yeah. Like, no matter what. I, I know I joke, but like no matter what religion, culture, whatever, you can never go wrong with money. And that goes also for charity. Like people will mm -hmm. say that the food banks will tell you over and over. We don't want your like crusty ass can of corn. Please give us money. So yeah, yeah. there you go. Can't go wrong with money. I uh, I was not religious, so I was never in communion or confirmation or any of that. Or uh, so I never got any money. Alas, I missed out on uh, a real trick right there. Well, the trick yeah. is your parents take the money and pay for whatever you just did. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and that's it for this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Kat Bailey, and thank you to all of our special guests on Final Fantasy 16. And thank you to Eric and Nadia. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMoosey. And you can find Blood God in the various social media channels at Blood God Pod. We are, as a reminder, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Blood God Pod. Please subscribe to us. 
You can get on our Discord for just $1, and there's a ton of bonus content, and your generous donations keep the podcast going. And speaking of generous donations, we want to thank the stars of Destiny who joined us this week, including Abby of the Moon, Art Raider, Azixa, Brian C. Nerd, exclusively Lex, who is one of our mods. Thank you so much. Kel L, our resident heel, Mago Ults, Fequinox, Ruka, Sardens, Virus, and Teeps. Thanks for your generous donation, and thank you for being on the episode in our live chat, which we do every single week. We'll be back next week, as always, after the post-show, which we are heading to right now, Blug Out After Dark. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, and myself, thanks for listening, and happy adventuring. Happy adventuring.